Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to DevRaga Personal Finance, episode 106. And in this episode, we'll discuss this week's drama with GameStop why it happened, what are the financial principles and learning points, and my thoughts moving forward. Now, as far as this podcast, if you're new to the channel, there are three aims here. The first aim is to be educated. By being educated, you are improving your financial literacy. Now, money is not the most important thing in your life, but it is important. With education, you get empowered with that knowledge. And being empowered means you can take that knowledge to your approved advisor and talk at a level that you can understand in. And the third thing is to be entertained. Now, just a disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a lawyer, nor am I a financial planner. Make sure you take any financial decisions you want to make to your appropriate advisor after listening to any one of my podcasts. In other words, don't listen to some random guy ranting on the internet about money. But if you are stuck on what to do in terms of broad principles, here are some simple steps to get you in the right track when it comes to saving, investing, and personal finance in general. In my humble view, there are five easy steps which anybody could follow. Step one is pay yourself first. Take 20% of after-tax money and put it aside. Don't touch it This money is yours because you're the most important person in your life. Step two is invest that money, ideally into something that you understand or want to understand. For me, I just invest in index funds because I understand index funds. Step three is reinvest the dividends. The power of compounding is phenomenal and make it automatic. Tick that box that reinvests the dividends. Step four is you do it for the long term. Now, I'm not talking 5, 10 or 15 years. I'm talking minimum 20, 30 or 40 plus years. And step five, my favorite, is wherever possible, automate the investments and processes forever. If you did these simple things over the long term, you're more likely to end up with more money than you'll ever need. Now, money is just a tool. It doesn't bring happiness. Use it as a tool to make your life better. And also, the most important thing is to make the people's lives around you a lot better. Now to the main topic of GameStop. Now, I think there are a few learning points here. So I thought I'd quickly discuss in an episode those points and how it culminated in what happened with GME stock in the US markets. Then GME is the code in the United States stock market for GameStop. Now, a lot of people, especially in the media, are saying what happened with GameStop is essentially a battle between Wall Street and Main Street, where the little guy is sticking it to the hedge funds, 
the institutional investors, and quote-unquote, the billionaire class. It kind of is, but that's not all of the story. So in this episode, I'm going to really try and make things as simple as possible, because I think it's important that for the people that already understand what's happened with GameStop, you're probably going to learn not much out of this episode, but the people, the novice investors that are new to investing are wondering what the what all the craze is about. It's really designed for those people to keep it as simple as possible. And I'll try and use examples and analogies to try and explain it in a way that it's as simple as possible. So before we go to the actual GameStop situation, let's discuss the climate prior to what happened this week. The first point I want to make is investing has never been easier. There have been more apps, more brokerage firms. It's been easier to sign up than ever before to trade stocks and investments. And it's been easier to invest and people can make split second decisions. Now, investing has also been very accessible. So there's never been a time where investing has been more accessible than in 2021. Financial literacy overall is improving, and that's because accessibility of information about financial principles and concepts, personal finance, etc., is you know more accessible now to learn about money than ever before. You just jump on the internet or on your phone to learn about investments. Think about it this way. I can use my phone right now and buy whatever stocks I want in mostly any of the world's financial markets, all in my hand right now, and it's instant. I can then share that information um, to whoever I want. I can tweet it, I can Facebook it, I can LinkedIn it, and I can Reddit it. It's so easy. In fact, I know a guy who randomly started podcasting just two and a half years ago. He's a doctor, and all he wanted to do was leave a blueprint to his two young children about financial principles and concepts, but it turned out his episodes and podcasts resonated with thousands of Australians, and now he practically does it as a side hustle. That's the power of the internet, social media, and innovation, and Yeah, it's simple. So accessibility of information has been made simpler and easier and more widespread. And that's mainly thanks to the internet. So that's point one. Point two is over the last 12 months, particularly in 2020, people have focused more on their finances. They've been forced to. They have more time on their hands thanks to lockdowns, thanks to loss of jobs, So some people have had no choice but to make sure that they get their finances right. If you're not having incoming cash flow because you've lost your job, you need to focus on your expenses and you need to focus on your finances. Now, more time means more time at home, which means more time to procrastinate. And of course, referred to point one, which means you have more time to play, more time for information gathering, and more time to then invest. The average folks over the last 12 months have got onto investing, trying to time the market and make it in the market because they want to know what the fuss is about. 
Stock markets have gone up in the last 12 months, mostly around the world, despite COVID. And in Australia, the stock market has rebounded spectacularly in 2020, despite COVID. And interestingly, I looked at the property market and recently Sydney property markets have reached the highest they've ever been, particularly for independent homes. The median home price in Sydney right now is $1.2 million. This is despite one of the worst pandemics we've had in the last 12 months. So fear of missing out has really set in. And that set in in the property market, but that set in also in the stock market and generally the investing world. So that's point two. Point three is because it's so easy to get information about investing and it's so easy to start investing, investing has just become like a game. The gamification of investing has meant that more people are trying to buy and sell, trying to make money in the stock market or other types of investments where the assets are liquid. So essentially, you can buy and sell multiple times a day to make money. This is kind of like gambling. Now, stock market investing there's been much more products available, it's more instant, and it's more readily accessible. So this sort of gamification, which is my point three, means the gambling risk is significantly high. So that sort of sets the scene. Um, So what happened with GameStop? Well, GameStop is basically a video game store very similar to the good old Blockbuster store or EB Games in Australia. And in 2020, due to COVID lockdown, obviously people couldn't go to malls or shopping centres to buy video games because they're a retail store. And the trend over the last five years in terms of gaming hasn't been with retail stores, it's been online. People just buy games online. People buy DVDs online or Blu-ray discs online. And nowadays, people don't even buy discs. They just download things from the internet via Netflix or Stan or Amazon Prime or whatever it is. So naturally, over a long period of time, particularly with online gaming coming up and online shopping coming up, this meant that less people are going to malls and less people are going into game shops. And that naturally means declining sales and declining profits for GameStop. And then since 2019... More than 700 stores across America for GameStop have closed. And this intensified in 2020 due to lockdown. In fact, they planned to close stores anyway in 2020, even before COVID was an issue. They actually issued a statement in 2019 saying in 2020, they're going to close about 300 stores because they're going to move to a different model of selling games to customers. And they significantly bumped up their balance sheet which looked significantly better in 2019 because they just cut costs. But the reality is the fundamentals of the company called GameStop wasn't good. Now, if you want to learn about fundamental analysis um, and you know concepts and principles about it, refer to episode 76 to 78 where I talk about PE ratio, PB ratio, fundamental analysis, corporate actions, etc. I think you might find it useful. So the scene is set now for a company that is largely struggling to stay afloat. In fact, six straight years prior to 2020, 
the stock price of GameStop fell. And remember, Amazon is growing over this period and is looming over pretty much retailers to take it online. That's point number four. Point number five is what happened during all this time because big institutional investors monitor the market. These people are professionals. They looked at GameStop and they went, well, the business is floundering. It's probably going to go bust. So they looked at the data and decided to short sell the stock. This was mainly done late 2019 and 2020. So this has actually been going on for a while. Now, if you're not sure what short selling is, refer to episode 72, where I go into significant detail. But I'll try and summarize it in this episode as best as I can to make it as simple as I can. So institutional investors are shorting GameStop stock. Now, short selling just means you borrow the stock of a company, in this case GameStop, from the broker. You pay an interest premium for it. You sell it. Then you wait for the stock to crash and buy it at a cheaper price and repay the broker. This is opposite to what most investors would do. For example, I want to buy something that's cheap and hopefully, you know, sell it when it's a bit higher in value. But in short selling, it works backwards. You sell something high and try and buy it cheaper. And the difference is your profit. Now, stay with me here because this is where it gets a bit complex. And I'm going to use an analogy which may help you understand short selling a bit better. Supposing you're an investor, you find out that a suburb in Melbourne is going to get a major freeway through it. This means it's going to affect some houses due to noise associated with the traffic, which means the prices of homes in certain streets in that suburb will decline. And that'll have an impact on the median price of a home in that suburb. And you know that this is probably going to happen in the next 12 months. So you want to short a property in that suburb. So you want to short sell a property in that suburb. This is how you would do it. You don't need to own any property in that suburb or street that's affected. You contact the local real estate agent, point to a particular home, which is going to be adversely impacted by your calculations, by the freeway construction, and say, can I borrow that house because I want you to help me sell it for a million dollars because I think the price will fall to $500,000 in 12 months. Now, in this case, you're the hedge fund manager. You're the institutional investor. You're the billionaire class. The real estate agent is the broker. Now, brokers are people that help you buy and sell stocks in the stock market. And the property is akin to a stock or a company in the stock market. The person living in the house is the average Joe who's worked hard paying off their bills, saving for the retirement, and they think that they own the property, and they do. In fact, you haven't actually bought anything off them. You haven't, you don't actually own the property. You're the investor. They own the property. You now sell that property for a million dollars in the open market and pocket the money, and remember, at no time do you actually own the property. In six months, plans are actually accelerating for the freeway. Property prices in that suburb plummet 
and unfortunately average Joe loses his job because of some bad things in his company and he needs to sell the property now so you can now buy it for $500,000 just as you predicted the market would crash. In other words, you're getting a 50% discount and then you give it back to the real estate agent and say, thanks, mate, I'll keep the profit of 500 k and here's a little premium cost for helping me do this deal. And I really appreciate your effort. Thank you very much. The bottom line is short selling means you'll sell something that you don't own at a high price if you know in the future that something is going to be worth a lot less. So you can buy it again at a cheaper price and pocket the difference. Does that sound a bit insane to you? Yeah. If you did this in the real world with literally any other asset class like property, physical items, or even went to the local Kmart and proposed it to the store manager, they would literally laugh you in the face. But this is possible in the stock market. Now, the US market is worth about $40 trillion, and about 2 to 3% is, at any time, is short selling. And some people say that short selling have a function in the overall market. They play a valuable role. Now, surprise, surprise, the institutional investors say that. That's my point five. Point six is now back to GameStop. Now, because of the floundering business model, investors thought it would crash. I'm talking about the institutional investors. And all along in 2020, because of COVID, they thought that would accelerate and they started shorting the stock and they shorted it more and more. The problem is they shorted it so much that there wasn't enough shares in circulation for them to cover their short. So what does cover their short mean? It just means that if you borrow something and sell it, and it doesn't belong to you, the original owner of the stock needs to be paid back. So in the stock's case, the broker from which you borrow it, they need to get their shares back so they can give it back to the owner. So using the property analogy, the real estate agent is just lending you the property, which you don't own, so you can sell it in the open market and make money if the value of the property crashes by repurchasing it. So people found out that the short interest ratio for GameStop was very high. To give you an example, Tesla was shorted in 2019 and 20, but it was only 20% of trading volume of stock at its peak. But in GameStop's case, it was shorted up to 140% of trading volume of stock. So here's the deal. Prominent investors, especially like that dude who created the Chewy company, the pet food company, in America, thought in early 2020 that GameStop fundamentals were actually okay and there is scope for improvement. So they invested in it and he actually became part of the board later in the year. And in November 10th and November 12th, 2020, Xbox released the X-Series, PS5, PlayStation released their PS5 gaming console and Microsoft actually signed a deal with GameStop to share some of their profits from online gaming with GameStop. So things for GameStop were actually looking positive towards the end of 2020. But two major hedge fund companies and institutional investors, a lot of them, but the two main ones that have been named is Citron Research and Melvin Capital, they shorted GameStop. They kept shorting it despite the fundamental analysis now turning the corner 
to suggest that GameStop may become a profitable company moving forward. And in fact, these two hedge funds basically make money by shorting stocks. Now, I've discussed hedging before in my short-selling episodes. If you're interested, go back to episode 72 and listen to that. But the problem is, despite the news turning around for GameStop, they kept shorting the stock. Now, again, remember, information in 2020-2021 or the 21st century about investing is widely available. So go back to the first thing that I talked about. The principles of finances is ubiquitous and it's available and easily shared and people can access that information. Social media could access that information and therefore they started buying options, call options they're called, for GameStop stock. So in come the Reddit crowd, which is a social media website, which basically is a forum. I don't actually use Reddit very much. I don't know much about it. I know Devraga Personal Finance exists on Reddit, apparently. I've actually looked at it and I went, wow, wow, that actually exists on Reddit. So that was a bit news to me and someone pointed it out to me recently. So thank you to that person. Now, within the Reddit group, which is apparently the 12th most visited website in the world, there's a subreddit group called Wall Street Bets. Basically, it's a community of day traders, retail investors. Most of that Reddit thread is actually just memes. But, you know, they talk about investing and they talk about day trading and they talk about buying and selling stocks or stocks. Now, they've existed for ages, but they decided to start a campaign against the short sellers of GameStop, particularly Melvin Capital and Citron Research, Now, I'm simplifying it. What they basically did was, hey, look, if we just put call options on GameStop because we think the price is going to go up, then that might actually entice people to buy GameStop stock. And when they buy, you never sell. And of course, get the crowd in and keep buying. And of course, when you do that, the supply demand comes into play. So basically, the perception for them on that Wall Street bets was that hedge fund companies are trying to artificially drag down the price of GameStop stock so they can make a profit by short selling. They meaning the institutional investors and hedge funds. So if only they could generate a lot of interest in that stock, it means people will buy it and hold it. And remember, the short interest ratio was high, which means there's not enough stock to go around to cover their shorts, which means... If the prices, rather than tanking, went up, they could potentially bankrupt the hedge funds that have bet against the company, and especially if hundreds of thousands of investors got on the bandwagon and bought GameStop stock, which means more demand, less supply, and that created what's known as a short squeeze. That happened about 13th of Jan, roughly. Think about it this way. Hedge funds need to repay the borrowed stock, right? Because Melvin Capital and Citron Research have shorted the stock. They need to repay. And they've already shorted the stock so many times, but there isn't enough to go around to buy back to repay. Now, it's a little bit complex than that, but that's essentially what it came down to. And of course, when they wanted to buy back, no one wanted to sell. More people wanted to buy, which meant that the stock price went up. 
because they've already generated so much interest. They, meaning the Wall Street Bets people, have generated so much interest in the stock. And of course, the media got onto it. Then institutional investors, Wall Street got onto it. More retail investors got onto it. And it went from like 15 bucks to something like $400. In fact, the stock went from $4 in March 2020 to $15 later in 2020 and peaked at $400 plus in January, just within a space of four weeks, and mostly in the last one week. So if a short seller sold stock at $15 and in the hope of buying it at $5 because they think the company is going to go bankrupt, but now they had to buy it and repay the borrowed stock at $400 instead, they just found themselves in a spectacular bind. That's my point eight. Now, point nine is perception. The perception is Wall Street, which represents the institutional investors, the billionaire class, and Main Street, which represents literally the retail investor, the group of Reddit users, all three million part of that group are called Main Street. So technically, I am Main Street. Because I'm just, you know, trying to pay the bills, work hard, save, don't have any debt, maximise my super, invest for the long term and do it by reinvesting dividends and try to automate the process. I am part of the Main Street. And look, the majority of the listeners to my podcast are the Main Street. We are not the billionaire class. So I guess the group of Reddit users that made this happen with GameStop We could be any one of those people, although, you know, they're a bit more professional than perhaps myself. Now, this has resulted in artificially rising the stock price. And it's now, I think, come back down from the heights of $400 plus US to $190 last time I checked, although in after hours trading, I think it's gone back up a bit because Robinhood initially halted the trades, but they're saying tomorrow they're going to try and allow limited buys of GameStop stocks outside of institutional investors. But compared to what it was just some weeks ago, it was $15, it's still pretty high. The two hedge funds that shorted the stock, Melvin Capital and Citron Research, almost went under. But of course, they have backers and had to be bailed out uh, with billions of dollars from equity firms. Now, literally, a group of online Reddit users banded together to bring down hedge funds. So this is a classic story of David versus Goliath, where the little man won the battle. But did they actually win the war? That brings me back to point 10. Now, my thoughts on all this is I find it very interesting that you can actually sell something you don't actually own in the stock market. Now, I don't short sell anything. I'm long on my investments, which means I want to buy and hold forever. And I don't buy individual stocks. So I'm kind of not in the game when it comes to GameStop or Tesla or AMC or BlackBerry. I've bought a lot of popcorn this week because of GameSpot, because it's been fun to watch. Now, short selling is dangerous. And trading derivatives, call and put options is also dangerous. And plenty of people have already lost money 
The guy that bought the stock at $400 has just lost 50% of its value. But here's the deal. Wall Street has complained about this to the SEC, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission in America, because they're saying this is market manipulation. So we need to introduce some regulation because this is market manipulation. Is it? Well, here's the deal, right? This happens all the time behind the scene by Wall Street. But when a bunch of people do it via social media, Wall Street are crying a bit poor. But the reality is, again, it may impact the average investors more because I think Wall Street was in on it when they found out. They're smart. I'm not saying that they're the smartest bunch of people in the world, but they're Wall Street. The average investor is competing against institutional investors. You see, the average investor's 401k in America or superannuation in Australia is invested by institutional investors and part of the money ends up in these hedge fund companies. These are the very same people who are shorting stocks or essentially gambling. So the average Joe wants to screw them, which kind of seems pretty awesome when you hear about it. But in the end, they may be screwing themselves. Having said that, I find it ridiculously insane that this sort of thing happens all the time. More than what's being reported in the media and how people can exploit weaknesses and as a result can impact a lot of people. People that probably don't even understand what's happened in this particular case of GameStop. This is a unique once in a lifetime situation. In fact, this is kind of what happened to many people in the GFC of 2008. When people got lent money by banks, they should have never been lent. And then the lenders made a bet against the borrower while actually lending the money, explaining that they couldn't pay it back. And when they couldn't pay it back, the lenders lost money that was borrowed, but won the bet. And the bet was worth more than the loan lent. That's insanity. Imagine if I told you to buy something, and I know it's a bad product, and then I go ahead and bet that the product's going to fail because I know it's a bad product, but I'm selling the same product to you, and I go to the betting company and say, no, nah, that's a really bad product. It's going to you know, break down, so I'm going to bet that it's going to fail, knowing that it's going to fail, but then turn around and sell the same product to you. That's basically what happened with the GFC. So understandably, this brings back a lot of memories for a lot of people of how Wall Street, quote unquote, screwed Main Street. And therefore, Main Street is angry. Now, the lessons to be learned, I think, are still pending. Let's see how this thing go. I know there are a lot of people who converted their positions and you read on Reddit and you read online, you know, some dude converted $50,000 to what, $48 million at its peak? within a matter of one and a half years, thanks to GameStop. And I guess they recognized an opportunity, and I guess it went right for them. But they took a huge gamble, and it could have gone wrong. Now, Wall Street has the backing of large corporations who will save them. They've got the backing of the government. Let's see. In 2008, the governments around the world bailed out banks and institutional investors. So... They've got people to back them up. Main Street? Who's going to back you if you made a bet and lost it? Do you walk into a casino and bet your whole asset portfolio on a game of Russian roulette? I don't. 
But that's exactly what some people have done with GameStop. And some have won ridiculously well. But overall, I think most people are going to lose, particularly the retail investors. Opportunities for investing, in my opinion, is like going on a roller coaster ride. You have three options. You either don't go on the ride, that is, you don't invest in that product, you don't take any chances with particular investments, and that's kind of what I've done with GameStop and buying individual stocks and buying speculative assets like Bitcoin. So that's one option. The second option is you can actually go for the ride and finish the ride, which is my way of saying I want to buy and hold a particular investment, hold it tight long term and reinvest the dividends, but an investment that I want to actually go on a ride with. Well, the third option is you can actually go for the ride and jump out during the ride when it's safe to do so in the hope of landing on your two feet and not killing yourself or anyone else. This is akin to timing the market or buying individual stocks or betting. I don't do it. I could spend hours monitoring the market, but that's not my expertise. I'm just a doctor. I just like to invest long term and frequently using the DCA strategy. So those are my 10 points about what's kind of led up to GameStop. I think it's a very risky situation for a lot of investors. And if you're listening to this and you've made huge amounts of money, congrats. If you're listening to this and you've lost huge amounts of money, I'm sorry. And if you're listening to this and wondering, what the hell was that all about? Then hopefully you learned something out of this episode. That's about it for this episode. Thanks for the questions, likes and comments on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and other social media. Please make sure you give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcast or any podcasting app you're using. It really does help promote the podcast so more people can download and listen to it. It helps the algorithm. Now, if you really want to leave a review, thank you very much for doing so, so please do. And as promised, creative reviews will be read in an episode. And in that theme, here is a review I found on Apple Podcasts from Arti Artka, who said, I did not expect this. When someone suggested I listen to Dev as my introduction to self-educate myself on finance management, I did not expect to, one, listen to the whole episode, let alone all 10 in a matter of days. Two, start implementing it in our lives. Three, understand enough to ask questions to Dev Raga directly. And four, actually get an answer. Thank you, Dev. I only wish I knew this 10 years ago. That's a very, very nice review. So thank you very much to Arti Artka. And yes, you can contact me directly. And yes, I try and respond to every single message that I get. Sometimes it might take a bit of time because, you know, I've got other commitments. But I will do what I can to answer your question. If it's okay with you, I'll answer it on the podcast live so others can benefit as well. Remember, this is more about education. I'm not providing any specialized financial advice because I'm not a credential advisor. Remember to like Devraga Facebook page, shout out to questions and comments and topic suggestions. Share this channel with family and friends, Apple Podcast, Anchor App, CastBox, Spotify, Google Podcast, Player FM and devraga.com. And always pay yourself first 20% after tax income and learn about short selling, options trading, but understand it's very high risk. This is Devraga Personal Finance episode 106 and as always... Please stay safe. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 